Hello, human peoples. You're listening to the podcast network of Gamefully Unemployed. Support us and gain access to great exclusive podcasts like Fox Mulder is a Maniac, Tom and Jeff Watch Batman, Star Trek The Next Futurama, and our latest show, Spiel Boys. Head over to patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. We do game streaming, movie nights with our patrons every Friday night, and you can even commission your own podcast about anything you want. Literally anything, within reason. And we have to do it. You are quite frankly out of excuses not to go visit patreon.com slash gamefullyunemployed. That's patreon.com slash G-A-M-E-F-U-L-L-Y unemployed, which is spelled like it sounds. Pizza! Robots and bastards, everyone! Robots and bastards! Yeah! <laughs> we got a great theme for this. Yeah, uh, I gotta. I gotta <laughs> I've learned I have to go re-record it, so let's figure that. I'll, I'll figure that out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, Tom. Yeah, I. There was no way for me to gently suggest you do the theme in the style of Randy Newman without giving away. Without giving it away, yeah. So I just kind yeah. of listened to it and was like, okay, I'm gonna come up with like a real basic melody that you know worked fine. It was in kind of a minor key that I didn't love, uh, but boy, nothing could have prepared me for sitting down to hear the opening theme song perform- written and performed by Randy Newman. Yeah, I could talk for the entire... Just that opening uh, credit sequence, yes, we could probably could do an just entire about episode that. just about that. Yeah. Because well, uh, it's, just, it's probably... just the whole cast palling around with Randy Newman in a recording yeah, studio. Just watching Randy Newman make the theme song. Yeah, that's all it is. It's the, it's the most bizarre opening credit sequence for any show ever. It's just yep. the cast. It's like it's like Friends, but more, even more meta. Like even more right. breaking the fourth wall than Friends does. <laughs> and let me tell you, when Ronnie Cox walked in, I lost <laughs> it. <laughs> Ronnie Cox <laughs> runs in and be like, "Did I miss it? Am I too yeah. late? Am I Holy too late to shit. see Randy Newman record the theme song to Cop Rock? <laughs> You're not Ronnie oh, Cox. You're just man. in time." It's hey everybody! Police officer. <laughs> Listen, uh, I should introduce the show real quick. I love uh, LAPD. <laughs> this is uh, all bards are bastards. This is our uh, podcast mini series about the show, the that the the one season show, half, Cop Rock. Half of one season, eleven episodes. Wow! So I'm not sure yeah. if it was a mid season replacement or if it just didn't make it past you know, winter. winter it's amazing break. that they were like, we have to cut our losses and just stop. Uh, this is brought to you all by our producer, Matt Smith. Matt The Smith. doctor? Yeah, I guess so. All right. Thank you. Listen, thank you so much, Matt Smith, for... For Morbius? <laughs> yeah, for Morbius. For, for bravely saying, I want you guys to watch Cop Rock. Uh, and it was like, why hadn't we thought of that? That's a great idea. Of course we're going to watch Cop Rock. Cop Rock has been, it's one of those things like the Star Wars Holiday Special that was in my orbit of uh, infamous pop culture legends that I hadn't ever actually gotten around to watching. Uh, And that's largely because you can't watch Cop Rock anywhere unless you buy a DVD. Yeah, folks, if you want to participate... Uh, and follow along you'll have to go on online 
and find a DVD copy of Cop Rock. Yes. Uh, Shout offers it. Uh, and that's that's exactly what we did. Yeah, this this show Shouted? is like... Yes, it's 100% what we did. Yeah. I opened up the package. I was like, ah! <laughs> this, is a, this show is like a butt of a joke, much like the Star Wars Holiday Special. People don't know. This is a detective a, a 19 it was released in 1990 yeah so it's coming off hard from the 80s uh it's so still it's very much an 80s show and we'll talk about that i imagine yeah it is a police musical yes and when i first so i i guess for so we're gonna have about six episodes of this we're gonna do two episodes of cop rock per uh episode and then we'll have one stray one at the end and we'll do like a wrap up and that yeah, episode it'll be the finale of the finale yeah and we're we're basically going to go through the episodes uh we will at the end of each episode episode go through our the songs and, and our favorite songs and ask uh, uh one big question about the series but i i want to start tom by asking you like what did you think this was going to be well, um, okay, so th- this <laughs> is a multi-part answer. Uh, <laughs> so if you're not aware, Cop Rock is notorious for being one of the worst ideas in the history of television. It, uh, it's on many lists. It's voted one of the worst TV shows ever made. Yeah. Um, it is an hour-long police procedural drama made by co-created by Steven Bochco, whom if you're not familiar with, he's responsible for like classic uh, genre defining shows like Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, NYPD Blue. Uh, He sort of made, he's the reason why cop shows sort of became like the shield and the wire. And he's the reason we have shows like that. He's the reason we have shows like breaking bad. I'd, I'd be willing to say, right. Because no, he's, he's, he's like the father of modern TV in a lot of ways. Right. Like he, he was the first person to take cops and be like, they're regular people. They're these, they're all these flawed, weird, they're deeply flawed weirdos, uh, in this very unique position in society. And it was just, it would, they cops had never been portrayed that way before. Really? Uh, certainly not on television. Um, so he comes out of, uh, two, at least two big successes. He's, he's had his fingerprints on a number of shows, but, uh, the eighties were huge for old, for old Boschko. Uh, and this was like his latest, uh, invention, which is very much a Steven Bochco show about cops that ha- happens to be a musical. Yeah, so that that I want to. So yeah, um, it's okay. It's okay. So when you said what was I expecting, I was yeah. expecting because it's a show called Cop Rock and it's a musical drama about cops. I was expecting it to be a little tongue in cheek. I was expecting it to be kind of funny, you know, light, like light, light, light. It is, it is listed on IMDb as a comedy. I don't think, Fuck I think they, you IMDb. I, it is not think, a comedy. No, it's not. I think they did that because it's like, well, people are laughing at it. So I guess it's a comedy. Uh, yeah, no, I expected it to be lighthearted. Yes. I expected it to be like a naive look at cops, like like saving cats from trees yeah. shit. Yeah, and singing like a, songs. And singing songs. This is like 
this is like gritty. This is like true detective shit. It's, <laughs> like this is a, the, this is similar to the wire where it's like pointing out systemic problems. This is this is the wire <laughs> and the shield if they were interrupted every eight minutes by a jazzy song number. Like a jazz yes, music by number. Like a heavily is, dated song number. It, yeah. It's it's early it's late eighties, early nineties, like synth jazz. Like real it's it sucks. Yeah. It's I mean, well, we'll talk about it. But like Yeah, but in terms of plot, I did not expect it to be this <laughs> It is incredibly gritty. <laughs> yeah, it's gritty and complex and like it's it, really it feels, it's really complex. Yeah, it feels modern. Like the plot feels Dave, modern. Dave it's a good show. <laughs> if they deleted the musical numbers, this would be a classic show, probably. It, this it would be another be a- Hill Street Blues. Yeah. Like he no. wouldn't have made NYPD Blue if this if he had cut the musical numbers out of Cot Rock, he wouldn't have made NYPD Blue because this show would have been on the air for six years. Right. So, like, it is still, it's always going to be dated. Yeah. Because it was made in the 90s, uh, practically the 80s. But you're right, is that by the standards of then, had this not had musical numbers in it, it would have been the biggest hit on TV. Right? It would have been, like, a, it's, it would have been a gritty cop drama that people would have just watched. It, like, they watched every, The Wire. Yeah. It's every bit as, like, dark and real and, like we said, complex as Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, uh, ER, all like uh, the, the L.A. Law, and, and um, any of the other like procedural dramas that were big in the late '80s, early '90s, it is the writing of the show and the two episodes that we've watched so far is on that level. Like it's, yes, it's a good show, which makes it the single <laughs> most surreal <laughs> experience I've had in a it very is long time. One of the most. Yeah, mind-boggling experiences I've ever had watching television. <laughs> the opening scene is an the opening scene of the first episode is a no-knock raid and I was like, "Jesus Christ." <laughs> With a baby With in the, the baby, house. The baby who gets sold for $200 cash <laughs> at the end of that episode. Spoilers. A baby I, I, is sold. <laughs> And for very low, like two hundred dollars cash. That's a discount baby, right? Even there. in nineteen ninety money, that's not a lot. You're getting a right. real deal on that infant. Imagine learning that you were sold for two hundred dollars in nineteen ninety money. Like, too. Yeah, 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 like that's she gets a new TV out of that. That's it. Oh, uh, she wouldn't buy a TV, <laughs> right? I know, I know, I know what. She, uh, yeah. yeah, but. <laughs> Yeah, it opens so there's a no-knock raid on a house. There's a woman holding her baby and she's like crying and like they take away her baby. Uh and the cop says to her, "You're not fit to live amongst humans, let alone raise a child." Yeah. That is what the cop says. Mm-hmm. Uh and they drag them all out and then they start rapping and we'll get to that song. Uh we can't not recognize the songs when we go through the plot though. Yeah. So that's the first time it breaks your brain, though, where you feel like you it die. It shatters my brain, and it still doesn't quite set you up for what the show is going to be, right? Because they Tom, do. Okay, go oh, ahead. Oh, I, sorry, I just realized what this reminds me of. Have you ever watched the BBC miniseries The Singing Detective? No. 
So just going through that real quick, it's it's basically it feels like what this should have been. So the singing detective, it's Michael Gambon, uh, young Michael Gambon. It was made around this time. It's about a detective writer who has a skin disorder and he's stuck in the hospital and he's in horrific pain because his entire skin is covered in sores. Uh-huh. And it's about how he he's in this hospital bed for most of the show and he's just hallucinating. And so what happens is like his detective stuff like merges with the regular world. And one of the things that happens, I think in the first episode, is everybody breaks into a musical number. And it's supposed to show that he's losing his mind. And that's what this is. It feels like you're losing your mind. Yeah. It's 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 everybody starts singing and and you're like, wait, did they die? Did the character die? Of course, you know it's cop rock, so you know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I was not prepared it's for it. The, I'll tell you. And even this doesn't quite prepare you for there's two thoughts I need to get out of my head right now before, yeah, yeah, before yeah. they kill me. Um, <laughs> the first thought is, is that even this first musical number doesn't really prepare you for what the show is going to be because no. the first musical number it happens after this like very serious no knock raid, like you just said. And then it's like this woman with a baby. It's like every stereotype, uh, you know, the gruff cop, like, yeah. you're not human. You don't deserve this baby. Uh, and, you know, middle of the night, no knock raid, uh, 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 like a textbook, uh, crack house, uh, that, that your, that your parents and teachers warned you about. It's like so over the top stereotypical. And then the musical number is the guys that are being arrested, start doing, start rapping about how they are the ones that actually have the power on the streets. But it's like a very dated rap. It's very much my name, like my name is Andre and I'm here to say like, it's that kind of rap. So yes. you're like, oh Jesus, what is this? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like a Sesame Street. Rap. Right. It seems it seems like it's going to be very very silly, and it's it's not. <laughs> it's not. This the song. All the songs aren't silly. Not in their subject matter. <laughs> no, they're dealing with ser- yeah. They're like some of them are a little silly because they're supposed to be like. We'll get to it where the... Well, and the, some of the choreography, like when they try to have the mayor do a, do a dance during her song, she like can't move. So it's yeah. very, very funny. <laughs> the mayor who looks like a... Her hair looks like an aging clown wig. I think she's been made up to look older than she is. Like I think, yeah. she, I think she's playing like 20 years older than she really is. Right. But it, it, so, com- yeah. it comes off at making her look like Frankenstein. Like she can't... She's yeah. very rigid. She can't really move. And yeah, it looks like she's perpetually standing in a she, like she's forever in that Magnavox commercial, like she's in a wind wind tunnel. Right, she's Christopher Walken yeah, getting electrocuted. Yeah, yeah, she she looks like she's wearing a fright wig. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they do this no knock raid. We learn later that less than an ounce of cocaine is found, and they don't really have much on them. Yeah, um, they have to turn. The, they have to let them all go. Yeah. But so the no knock rage ha- happens. They all sing. And then the second shocking thing happens, which I feel like we'll have to talk about every single episode. The theme happens. Oh, right. And there was one other thought. That's right. There was one other thought I, I absolutely yeah. need to extract from my brain uh, okay. be- before the rot sets in, Dave. Um, and that is every so often <laughs> um, you'll get a like a bumper that's like cop rock. We'll be right back. And it shows you the logo for yeah. the show. And the logo, Dave 
is the words cop rock separated by a musical note in between them so that you can see the two separate words with a with a huge (laughs) fucking dirty hairy magnum behind it yes just this fuck off hand cannon behind the words cop rock with a musical note and that is just so it perfectly exemplifies the tonal war that cop rock is constantly waging upon itself right Uh, so the yeah yeah exactly the show is very gritty except for these musical numbers um and one detail which we'll get into involving the captain and his personal office that boy i have a lot of questions oh that's the chief chief ronnie cox chief, you mean chief ronnie cox yeah playing the best character Whew. on tv ever Whew. the best uh, character it's... in television like ralph cramden get the fuck out of here mary tyler moore <laughs> i don't want to hear it fucking captain ronnie cox and cop rock is the most important character in a hundred years of television. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get the Randy Newman theme and that's when I lost, I, I snapped yeah. and we're like a minute in and I, I just have snapped. Became completely unmoored. Yep. I, he's just, wearing I a, just drifted away. Yeah. He's wearing a blue linen shirt. Just, right. he's got like, he's got like uh, Michael Caine hair. He's uh, Randy Newman <laughs> in this opening credits is dressed like Randy Newman with aggressive cocaine sweats. <laughs> yes. And I've never seen Randy Newman that way before. Neither have I. Like, there's so much cocaine involved in the making of this show that Randy Newman is fucking snow blind. Just zoom it about through his way through <laughs> the cop rock theme song. It's the only reason you would ever decide to have Randy Newman write compose and perform the theme song to your gritty musical cop drama is if he, you were just just 90% cocaine. Let me tell you, Tom, I think he wrote several songs. I'm sure he did. Uh, in this episode and other episodes. Yeah. And Not everybody, in the second uh, yeah. episode. I, I, I noticed all the compose. I looked for oh, his okay. name in the second episode because I'd learned my lesson at this point, Dave. Right. I knew right. Randy Newman's fingerprints were on this at that point. <laughs> This is out of its mind. Yeah, we're we're, we're almost twenty minutes in. We haven't talked. We're, we've we're not even out of the opening credits. In. There's so much. That's, it's just it's a fucking two minute sequence of Randy like, Newman trying to sweat the coke out of his system right. with the cast of Cop Rock just leaning on his piano and grinning at him like he's their dad, telling them right, a they're, story. They're like nodding along, like, "Oh yeah, that's good." Yeah, and it cuts it's, to it's, it cuts to this one of the lead actresses uh, doing this very arrhythmic dance. Yes, <laughs> like she can't find the beat, but she wants to move yes. anyway. <laughs> it's all right. I would compare it to the Peacemaker opening, but unironic. Where I I'm never gonna skip this. Like I'm no. never gonna skip it. No, I'm gonna watch it every time. It. It's important to rem. It's important to have the theme song, the opening credits, remind you of what this show is. Because without it, you start to just get invested in the drama of cop rock. Right. Which means that you're constantly... And this happened to me. Uh, I don't know if it happened to you, but it legitimately... I forgot it was a musical for long stretches of time. And then they'll ambush you with another musical number and you'll lose your fucking mind all over again. It, yeah, it, it's like, don't you dare feel like this is a real show. We're going to keep reminding you. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, and then Roddy it's Cox like, shows up during like, the credits. Yeah, just sorry, real quick. It's like you need yeah. it to reset. It's like a reset yeah. for yourself. Yeah. 
It's like um, it's like doing meditation at the beginning of the day. Like you need the <laughs> opening credits to reset yourself before watching another episode of Cop Rock. Like right, right, right. This is the weirdest, most ridiculous thing ever made. Got it. This is what's at stake. It is. I've never watched something more surreal. I think, uh, and it's partially because it's not trying to be. I mean, we'll get it. We we'll get into right. it. It's like I think that's it's part like of our a, ending question, which is like. Do do they know? It's like a, I, it's I like a tell. it's like a Tim and Eric sketch done right. completely genuinely. Like it's it's yeah. it's the thing. Yeah, that's that's as best as I can describe it. It's yeah. it's so fucking weird. It's Let's the weirdest in, thing I've ever it's seen. The Dave. Thing. It's the weirdest thing. Let's get into the so the first scene. The inciting incident is um, a cop is. They're they're chasing a van. A van. They try to pull it over, and it doesn't. It refuses to. They're chasing. They call the, it back. They're chasing up. the drug dealers that they just let go, right? Oh, is that what it well, is? It turns okay. out that that's who's in the van. I can't remember why they're chasing it. Right. Anyway, yeah. We, they, yeah. we also have to mention that Ernie Hudson is in this. Ernie Hudson uh, is only in the pilot. Yes, he, Ernie, he, he's Ernie, Ernie Hudson transforms into <laughs> Von D. Curtis Hall when <laughs> Cop Rock got picked up for series. Right. Which. I they maybe they'd made that decision, but it also felt like the smartest thing to do. Like Ernie Hudson did an episode, and he's like, "You know what? I'm good. Uh, see ya." But like, yeah, that pro- they probably just replaced him. Um, but yeah, so they they follow him. The, the cop to whips out his shotgun. He says, "Just like hunting with my daddy," and it was like, "Jesus fucking Christ." Uh, they pull the van over, a shootout happens, and a cop dies. Well, what happens, uh, if you recall, is uh, w- those those two characters. We're, we're, we see a couple of the uh, of the different characters, um, and one of them is is this guy Rose, who is partnered with this other guy, and they're and they're riding up to the scene. And Rose's partner is the guy that like is pulled out the shotgun, and he's like, "Yeah, it's just like hunting back with my daddy." Woohoo! Like he's he literally like whoops right. and, and yeehaws. And as soon as they come up on the van, this guy leaps out of the out of the car with his shotgun, like all yipping and yahooing, and immediately gets cut in half by Uzis. Right. Yep. Just instantly killed. First five minutes. We just got yep. done seeing Randy Newman sing a fun song for the cast of Cop Rock. <laughs> and then a man <laughs> is shot, I don't know, a thousand times with an Uzi. Yeah. And it's everybody's really sad. And let me tell you, they're going to stay with the death of this cop for episodes. Uh, like we're going to see a funeral in the next episode. Oh, it's a major this thing. Is, That's it's, it's it, a major thing. This is classic Botchko. Like, I, I I bet this cop's death is going to be a thing for the entire run. Like it's it's like the beginning yeah. of a season long arc for this character Rose, who's not dealing with his partner's death well at all. To the right. point where I mean, we've only seen the first two episodes, but I'm like, I suspect there may be like a subplot where they were actually lovers, maybe because it, it's he's taking it extremely extremely hard and in the at during the funeral he sings a song where he's literally like you you'll never know how much i loved you yeah so yeah i mean but those kinds of, like that was those were the kinds of storylines that are pretty common in like bochco police dramas you know All right so i'm no, like expecting is, yeah. shit like that it's gritty as fuck right you yeah. know like it gets so, and and so like stuff that's like maybe a throwaway 
plot line in like a Law and Order episode is like a huge deal for an entire season. Which it, yeah. honestly, it would be like a, a cop gets shot oh, yeah. in your unit, and like that would be a thing for months, if not years. Right, which is still surprising for this. Yeah, I didn't ex- surprise it to be that realistic. There's a part where a cop just talks about having a urinary tract infection. Yep. Is that in this episode? Yeah, oh, yeah it's this one. He goes, "I gotta go to the urologist again." That's how and we I meet that wrote, character. Yeah, I just wrote cop rock. Yeah, cop rock. That line. That's how we meet that character, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Um. So a cop dies. They take a man into custody. They torture him in custody. Yes. Uh, they they keep making him drink water until he doesn't want to drink anymore. They pour coffee down they're, his throat. They're, they're pour, pouring scalding coffee into his mouth. Yeah. They are torturing him. Yes. One of the cops says, what we're doing here is against your constitutional rights. It's, it's again, cop rock. It's, this is like a scene it's, in The Wire. Exactly. He, this, this character, this character's name is LaRusso. He's like, he's Vic Mackey from The Shield. Like, that's, that's, he's yeah. the, that exact character. To the point where in this episode, we see him murder a guy who is uh, just handcuffed, like he's helpless, and he just shoots him dead. And so, like, his whole thing is trying to get away with the fact that he just murdered a guy. And that's, like, the first thing that happened. In the first episode of The Shield, you see Vic Mackey shoots another cop because he's going to snitch on him. And so that that the entire uh, uh, conflict becomes him trying to get away with what he's done. And that's, like, this character. And it's in fucking Cop Rock. In cop rock, it's in yeah, cop that's, rock, Dave. That's that's the arc of this. Is they basically they find the cop killer and he executes him while he's handcuffed. Yes, and it's like I can't fucking believe. Yeah, in um, cop rock, this is yeah. this is the shield, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> like another one is trying to cheat on his wife, right? With the other cop, there's the two. There's the he's, side. He's not. Mar- okay, so one of the other two—he's not married. She's married. She's to- married to urinary tract infection guy. Yes, who is. is the CSI guy? He's their forensics uh, detective, and he's yeah. he's older, and he's married to uh, a much younger woman who is a patrolman, and her part, and she and her partner have like an intense uh, connection with each other, and they're both vibing, and he's like ch- constantly trying to fuck. And she's like, right. yes, there is an attraction between us, but it must remain as that because I'm married. Right. You're, so she's married to your own. That whole storyline. Right. And In the guy Cop Rock, to, Dave. <laughs> this is one of my, my favorite things. We've talked about this many times about the 90s. The guy she's married to looks like he looks like Peter Boyle's brother who wasn't like good looking enough to make it in the biz. Like he is. He is he is just a I mean he's just a regular guy. Right. Like but that's what I love about cop he, shows. He does like, look like just, a Peter Boyle impersonator though. It's he like does. it's uncanny in some scenes. Yeah, he's like a young Peter Boyle. Um and he's a big part of this. Um so Ronnie Cox We haven't even has, gotten to Ronnie Cox. Okay, so we're talking about all of the stuff that's like serious good drama like there's there's a solid drama in this show um and so it yeah so i just wanted to point out that like not everything that's surreal about this show is the disconnect between like it's serious subject matter and then suddenly breaking into song and no ronnie cox is like the perfect collision of that point well here's what i'll argue though is that i in from what i remember everything 
is gritty and serious except for two elements one is the songs and the other is ronnie cox's office yes and i don't know why that is because uh, so like we yeah we keep saying everything about this is a gritty show except for the music there's just one aspect that is like i like if you took all the music out it, it would be so weird i mean it's no it's weird both ways so ronnie cox has two cowboy guns he he holsters own, two guns owned by wild bill hickok yep on either side of his hips uh and it's like okay i could see a, a realistic like character having that i guess and when he shows them off to i believe ernie hudson ernie hudson yeah he then opens a door a closet in his office and an automated target cowboy comes out a full dummy yeah with um a voice box he speaks he says like put him up partner yeah and, and his eyes sh- light up <laughs> yep and then in his office not on a gra- not in a range not like like there are offices in next his door. office in a municipal building yes he fires his guns into it for target practice it makes like video game sounds mm-hmm. when and it he, gets hit and he also speaks again he says oh you got me you varmint right but it's not the guns are real yeah he's shooting real he's bullets. firing real bullets into a dummy in his office in the same building where i don't know presumably the mayor's office also is just random yeah. gunshots going off and aside f- from that like that's the only weird part like or aside from the songs yeah that the, like it's i don't again it, it's 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 like this perfect way to like break my brain it's so strange because the disconnect is not even a clean disconnect it's right there's like moments like it and it's not just that it breaks into song occasionally, which is weird, but like within the songs, they'll, they'll, it adopts like a different tone a lot where it's more playful. Like the mayor has a song about how she's taking kickbacks in order to build this prison. Like she's accepting cash kickbacks in order to give the contract to this guy. They're opening a jail in the name of the dead cop. In the name of the dead cop. <laughs> it's the mo- the show is surprisingly in- incisive in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's very very cynical about yeah. the relationship like- between law enforcement and uh, <laughs> the local government and it's it- yeah it's like the wire it's like the wire it it, really is it's (laughs) like here's the systemic corruption amongst cops like when they're torturing that guy they're not like it's not like oh look at these heroes doing what it takes no he's no they treat it like this is bad yeah yeah that guy's he's that's why i mentioned the shield specifically and not the wire because like right like in the in the wire like the cops are fuck-ups but most of them aren't really evil there's a couple that are but like the shield is like is you know Vic Mackey is an evil guy he is the bad guy um, right. and this character in cop rock is like is Vic Mackey like 100% like you're not looking at him and seeing like the gray area you're like that guy's a he's bad like he's dangerous right. and needs to not be a cop right no yeah this guy is um he's a maniac yeah he's a fucking maniac <laughs> yeah it, it's it's yeah so Ronnie Cox fires the guns in his office, yep. and it's fine. And it's, nobody uh, comes in. His nope. phone doesn't ring. <laughs> like, it's just what happens. <laughs> the building doesn't get locked down. 
and it's the only height he's reality in, like, besides City Hall. the musical. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. It's such a heightened reality that he has this amusement park shooting gallery in his office, but the rest of the show, you know, again, uh, not counting the musical numbers, is like beyond grounded. It's like shockingly right. grounded. Right, it's you see us struggling to like traverse. This, this has ruined because, us, Dave. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's the I I I think I'm I agree with you. The longer we're talking about this, this is the most surreal thing I have ever seen, and that includes surrealistic filmmaking. Right, like it stuff that's deliberately that surreal. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is I it's. I don't know, man. I don't know what to do with this. I think we have to like, I, I quit our jobs after this. I don't know what to do. It's just, it's, it's, it's like the show is gaslighting me. Yes, it really does feel that way. It hard cuts from Ronnie Cox shooting the cowboy to him giving a speech that starts with, I get so da- tired of burying cops. And it's like a eulogy speech where yes. he dedicates a prison. It's just the whiplash. I, is, I argue. Okay. Again, I must circle back to my initial statement. This is a good show. (laughs) As the whiplash in that transition is so severe, it's enough to just rip your head right, clean the fuck off. Right. Like you stood up in a roller coaster. However, I'm 99% sure it's intentional, right? Like, because they do it a few times uh, and it always seems to be highlighting the disconnect between the public and private faces of law enforcement. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. It's we're going from one second where he's like talking about how it was great in the wild West. And he's like playing, literally playing cowboy in his office, hard cut to him talking about the sobering reality of being a police officer and dying in the line of duty. Like, I think that's intentional. no, I think you're right. It's just so hard to tell what's intentional. Right, what because isn't. it because that whiplash is like fucking 400 miles an hour because right. of how how strange that moment in his office was. Yeah. There's there's scenes in this and we'll talk about it in the next episode especially where like they seem to be pointing out racism, but yeah. then there's other moments where I'm like this just feels like 90s racism, you know what I mean? It's one of those things like, where I'm sure this was very progressive for 1990, but it's right. also still has 1990 racism in it. Yeah. Uh and so it's it's hard to tell what's in general what is them not being aware and what is them saying, yeah, we're doing this on purpose. Um I think so, it's mostly self-aware, honestly. I think a lot of it is. Um, I think the the idea of doing a, crit, a gritty cop drama with musical numbers was to make a statement. Yes. I don't think they made the statement because I'm not sure exactly what it was supposed to be. Here's what I think. There's two benefits to doing a show like this as a musical. Mm. One is just the dramatic benefit of a musical just in general, which is it's really exemplified in the scene in this episode where um, I can't remember her name. Uh, Christy, Kathy, it's the patrolman, the main patrol lady patrolman who's married to fake Peter Boyle. Right. I'm not going to be able to know any of their names. I'm just saying that at the top here. I know I, I caught a couple of them. 
Um, yeah. Like the guy Rose, uh, and then the maniac cop is Larusso. But I th- beyond that, like I don't really. It's it's fucking Chief Ronnie Cox, you know, right. uh, and yeah. Peter Boyle's brother. So she comes home to fake Peter Boyle, and we see that interaction between her and her partner in her in the patrol car as he's dropping her off. Where he's like, you know, that guy. Uh, what's his nuts dying today? It really has got me thinking we shouldn't hide our feelings. Like I think about you all the time and he like makes his move. And that's where she's like, no, no, look, I acknowledge that there's an attraction between us, but it's got to stay there. And it's this like kind of tense moment for her. And then she gets out and walks inside and she, she sees that her husband fake Peter Boyle is still up working. And she's like, well, I'll be upstairs when you're ready to come to bed. And then he has a song. He sure does. And his song is about, basically how much he loves her and how much he appreciates that she loves him. And he cannot understand why she does because he's like, right. I'm old. I'm fat. Like, I don't know what, like I, like I'm, you know, I'm I'm a guy twice her age. Why on earth did she decide to be married to me? I'm just so grateful. So we get so much of his character in a three minute musical number. Like we we're autumn. It's like, it informs us. It kind of puts us on his side. It get, it gives like another, it gives a more emotional connection to the character than you would get in a, just a straightforward, like dialogue driven dramatic scene, getting that yeah. same emotion out. You know what I mean? So that's like the main benefit of doing a story as a musical is because you can make those, moments that would just be like a couple of lines of dialogue and really, you know, heavily performance-based into a song that, you know, is also performance-based, but it's much more of just attacking your emotions directly and and forcing this connection between you and the character. Musicals have the benefit of being the only, like, genre where you can have characters just say what they're feeling and what they want. Yeah. And it's acceptable. Yeah. Where you can just have a character say, like... You know, oh, there goes Belle. Everybody in the town thinks she's weird. Yeah. And you can just have a ta- song about that. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. it's And, it's, <laughs> and we it, accept it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's because of the performance of the song and like the, you know, emotions yeah. that the song triggers. Uh, it's, it's a very specific t- type of storytelling. So uh, there's yeah. that advantage to doing a show like this, like that. And the, the, statement I think they were trying to make is showing that we're trying to dress by just by making I think the statement is a comment on cop shows right like it has to be right it has to be about how we tell these stories exactly so by dressing up this very real societal problem that is you know riddled with systemic corruption racism um uh, overworked people that are uh, a lot of you know it's obviously it's sympathetic towards police it's about police um but that you know a lot of pressure and stuff is is put on them and then also you know all the all the corruption and racism that's built into the systems around law enforcement and cops and we're and we're making it into entertainment when it's like this really serious issue so like by by having it literally be a song and dance show it's like meant to heighten the absurdity of the of the fact that these shows exist right that's the old that's what i think it it is is the statement tom i think you're both right and i think you're doing a lot of work for them well i mean because they're still making a cop show you know no, no, I think you're right in that that was the intent. But 
it very a lot a lot of that gets lost of yeah in the spectacle of of course (laughs) yeah in the pure confusion of it but i think you're right that that was the idea and i know the creator what's his name has said you know this was a mistake yeah and i i think like all terrible art that tends to be what like a terrible well-funded art not like neil breen or or the room but like that's not art (laughs) (laughs) but when a movie comes out that is like like absurd and hated i'm trying to think of a good example Um, uh marie antoinette sure yeah yeah yeah. um i'm just i just mean like a movie that isn't like i wouldn't compare it to like something like morbius where it's just studios trying to make money and they're cutting it down Yeah, that's why i but like picked yeah yeah where it's doing something with its storytelling and execution that's meant to be big and splashy for a specific purpose or intent and at the time anyway it was not received well right yeah it it's a big swing cop rock is a big swing and i think biggest swing in history just about right not only did they miss but they struck the audience several times yeah with their swing the bat flew into the crowd and killed a man yes (laughs) killed everybody (laughs) um so yeah uh this ends uh, the last note I had was, yeah, he executes the cop killer uh, in front of a partner who has to like lie with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should probably get into the next episode, right? Well, and then the, the last subplot we had in this episode was the mom with the baby. And then there's another right. uh, lady patrolman, I think. A, a lot of these characters blended together. There, there's so many honkies just with brown hair yes that's some of the it's characters very, again it's very together. 80s 90s yeah where like i i wrote about this in the next one where it's like if the criminal's white you better believe he has a ponytail yeah uh, like <laughs> things like that where it's like they all look like you you're like you imagine a movie like lethal weapon the police station where it's all like frizzy curly 80s lady hair or blonde you know that blonde look uh like shoulder pads uh mustaches mullets uh you know like it's it's just it, it's the fucking 80s uh and for that reason everybody kind of blends together <laughs> yeah uh it's hard to keep track so i i thought they were two different characters it might just be the same uh lady who's married to um fake uh i think it is just the same lady that's married to fake frank uh, peter boyle um right. but she she has a subplot with the mom who got arrested in the beginning and her baby and she's like trying to help her out and she's like well i don't want to go into a program because they'll take my kid from me because i don't have anybody that can watch my kid not anybody right. that i trust not to run away with them is, is what she says uh so she's like i but uh, like she she uh the the patrol woman gives her I think 50 bucks for like a tip on the drug dealer guy that they're trying to find. And they go there and he's not there. And she's like, well, he must've just left before you got there here. Give me the other 50 and I'll tell you some more about him. And then she like refuses to help. They have this big blow up. And then the episode ends with the mom singing a song to her crying baby on a, on a, on a city bench. No, that's the episode two. No, this is episode one. 
Epi- is it really? Yes, episode two ends with the captain singing a song with his wife, and then fake Peter Boyle comes to his house and chews him you're out. You're right. You're right. This Sorry. episode ends with mom singing a song to her baby, and then this couple pulls up in a Volvo, and she sells them the baby for $200 cash. Right. That's that how the first so episode of Cop Rock ends. Fuck it. Yeah, she's, she sings the baby like a lullaby, basically. Yes, yeah. And then, like, keeps singing as the baby is dragged off by, like, I don't know, some fucking weirdos we don't know who would who buy a baby on the street for $200. Yeah. Which, again, she could have at least gotten 500 Right? For a, it's a baby. It's a, it's a whole baby. That's a life. It's an entire she sells baby. It for $200. Yeah, it is tragic. Mm-hmm. Um. And she's. It's also a musical, and it's also <laughs> and then, a yeah. Musical. The epi- Then the episode ends, and it's like Capra again. Yeah. It's like what the fuck? The fucking Randy Newman song comes in over the end yes! credits. After a woman sold her Please baby for. Please stop singing. Do 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 Fuck. Yeah. Oh, uh, so episode two is called oh. Ill-Gotten Games. Episode two opens with the funeral of the yes. policeman who was killed it in opens, the last episode. It, it, it was that idea of like, all right, you think they're going to make any adjustments between the pilot and this? Nope. Nope. S- same thing. Um, yeah, it's a fucking funeral. Um, uh, the guy Rose gets up and sings this like powerful, basically ballad to his dead partner where he, yeah, I mentioned earlier yeah. he, he sings you'll never know how much I loved you we're brothers our hearts beat as one side by side it's like boy I think he's in love with this guy it really seems like that's the storyline that is gonna happen um, but either way it's like this it's this huge uh, emotional scene it's showing all the characters have gathered for this funeral and they're all reacting uh, to the song that's being performed for them, and then the song ends. Hard cut to Randy Newman singing the cop rock theme song, <laughs> and everybody yes. in the studio smiling and laughing. I was losing my fucking mind watching this show. It is so the whiplash is just this, nonstop. Watching this show is an assault. It really is. <laughs> and so this episode is mainly about like um, that one cop trying to interrogate like the internal affairs basically like them investigating the murder it's, of the suspect it's the captain who, the captain is can the right. captain knows this the crooked detective larusso is crooked so he's like i fucking know you're lying i know you shot that guy just shot him um i know it wasn't self-defense it's bullshit and i'm gonna find it out and so like most of the episode is the captain basically trying to is scare his uh, uh, underlings into admitting that they covered up this guy murdering another guy. And like the episode is kind of, it's about the thin blue line. It really is Uh, that. Yeah. That's most of it. It, That is a line in one of the songs, like the very first song where they sing that it's, it's uh, the the lady cop and her partner, her fucking horny ass partner singing a song about the, the, the high life in the Hollywood Hills. And she just yeah. incidentally set, sings about the thin blue line in that song. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Cox has an amazing line in this episode that I wrote down. Uh, he, and he yeah. guess it's, uh, I think he's talking about the mayor. Uh, he says, oh, a wo- God. Yeah. yeah. What a reveal. Says, 
This comes yes. out of nowhere, by the way. This comes out of nowhere. Because like says, Ronnie Cox, oh, just one more preface, one yeah. more preface. Yeah. Ronnie Cox yeah. has been like quietly insane because of that like wild Bill Hickok moment in the previous episode. But other than that, like basically like a likable character, like there's nothing weird about him. You're just like, oh, well, he's yeah. just kind of like an old cop who dreams about he's being eccentric. a cowboy. But yeah. uh, he's ultimately like a good guy and he wants to do the right thing. And then this fucking scene <laughs> gets ha- dropped on our laps. The line he says is, a woman was like a horse. You could saddle them up. They'd never complain. Ride them till they drop and then put a bullet between their eyes. And it was... <laughs> you lo- you left out the last part, Dave. Oh, what was the last part? And buy a new one. And buy a new one. Right. Uh, and that is chilling. Comes out of nowhere. <laughs> chilling. Yeah. I, it was like... What the fuck, man? What the fuck, Ronnie Cox? I'm not even completely sure what he's talking about. Is he killing ladies? Uh, I don't know. He's definitely a a fucking vehement uh, misogynist. Yeah, because, again, he says you could saddle them up, which you could imply the analogy there is start a relationship with them. They never complain or I guess start an abusive relationship with them uh, and then ride them till they drop. Uh, means like, I guess drain them emotionally. <laughs> they're disposable. And then, the gist is yeah, disposable. and then put a bullet between yeah. their eyes is the disturbing part because it's like, and then what? And then Can't buy a break new up one. with them. Yeah, and buy a new one. What the fuck? You just throw them. At broads are all the same. You just throw them aside. Get a new one when they start complaining. It's what we got to do with this mayor chick. I'm like, bro, is- she's the mayor. Yeah. What do you She's the fucking you, man. What are you going to do? <laughs> like it, man that comes out of nowhere. It does. And then he goes into his office, takes out a shotgun, and instead of the cowboy that comes out he of He pushes of a, a second button. Yep. And a paper cutout of the mayor comes out mm-hmm. and he blows it away with a shotgun in his office in the police station. No one cares. He rode his elevator down from the he rode the elevator down from the mayor's office steps out of the elevator walks down the hall into his office blows away a cardboard cut out of the mayor with a shotgun so we know for a fact his office is in the same building as the mayor's yep. office we know a few He's things fucking like you said firing off guns in his office dave yeah shotguns and like you said he pushes a button to make the cardboard cutout go out but he he demolishes the cutout, which to me implies that he has to replace it every time. With whoever's, which, it, either with whoever's currently making him mad that week, or it's just the same cardboard cutout of the mayor he keeps putting right. in there. Which means one of two things. Either he has in his closet stacks of cutouts of the mayor, or he goes down to the Kinkos every week and says, I'm going to need another one. And they, he gives them a photograph that he found because you got to find a photo of them. And he says, blow this up, put it in a cardboard cutout shape. I don't know what's weird. I mean, he clearly already has the print files, so I think he's just going up there and asking them to reprint it. Well, if it's the same one of the mayor. But like you said, if it's right, just people who true. bother him. If it's just people who's, then he whoever's has get, pissing me off this week. Yeah, he's got to do a whole other new, brand new order. Yeah, yeah. So it's both are disturbing. Uh, what that, speaking of which, man, there's that. Just everything about Ronnie Cox really throws me for a loop. 
He's like a cartoon character. Because right, everything else about the show, you could very cleanly watch and just be like, okay, if you just edited out, like if you did a Topher Grace Phantom Menace edit of Cop Rock right. and just removed the musical numbers, you'd lose some stuff. Like you'd lose some of the depth of the characters, I suppose. Like I just got through talking about how Peter Boyle's song was important. But like right. you would, you could watch and be like, oh, this is just like, like a, 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 a what are they prestige television of the time? Like you, he would right. not. It wouldn't look any different from like NYPD Blue. Um, yeah. Except Ronnie Cox is still in there. This fucking chaotic free radical, just just to confound me. It seems yeah, is in there. Just, uh, throw another wrench in it. Like, what it's, is it's, this character? It's unbelievable. What newly divorced bastard wrote this character? <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's a terrifying, terrifying character. Yeah, it's it, wow. <laughs> Just yeah. he has a um, he has a carnival shooting gallery in his office. Why does he have it? I don't why know. Why does he have it? Tom, did you know the show One Enemies? I'm sure it did <laughs> for songs. For songs, not for writing. I it don't imagine that was a very crowded category for songs in the yeah. Enemies. That's true. Uh. So, the the main plot because we said the the name is ill gotten gains of this episode, and it's because um, uh, Rose, Rose is given yeah. a new partner, Joseph Gaines, yeah, and it's like and they have to like drive around and he can't stand him. It's a real odd couple sitch. Yeah, there's a bunch of these like uh, B plots, and in that one they pull over. They are they terrorize the city. By the way, these cops they're horrifying. They pull over because someone's their the lights are on in their car, and they're like, "We should help this person out." Instead well, of Ga- knocking Gaines on, Gaines is like that. Yes, Gaines yeah, is yeah, very. Yeah. Gaines is like this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed rookie. Um, yeah, he's like singing in the car, yeah. and the co- and Rose hates it. Yeah, I mean, also Rose uh, is just coming off of the uh, devastating loss of his partner. Like he yes. just he just belted out a powerful eulogy. Uh, for his partner like yes. not three scenes earlier so he is in no mood no he is not in any mood uh instead of knocking on doors and being like who left their lights on they Gaines decides to, to break slim into jim the into the car yeah yeah <laughs> and turn his lights off for him and it was like what are you doing like man? you're you're committing a you're crime committing a crime right like you're you're seriously breaking laws like because if a cop yeah. does it then you're like well now you've got like a scandal because it's like, is the LAPD breaking into people's cars to plan evidence? <laughs> like, right. It's like, I know you think you're you're doing a, a, a community service, but like maybe knock on some doors instead of breaking into the car to turn someone's lights off. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets like, there's not a baby it. in there that is suffocating or something. Right. Like, they have no probable cause to break into no. a man's car. And the man comes out and he's like, what the hell are you doing to my car? And he accidentally um, scratches the car, yeah. trying to get into it. And the guy is rightfully mad. Like, what are you doing? And Rose flips out yeah. and punches the mirror. And he is destroys like, it with his baton. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then he's just like, I'm going to pr- put you up on charges. Oh, your mirror's out kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, they are just terrorizing this man. Uh-huh. And, and then, um, uh, what's his name? I said his name. Gaines. Gaines. Like de-escalates it and offers to pay for it. Yeah, and it's like it's the first nice thing a cop does in this episode. Yes, or in this show. Yes, yeah, 
And so I'm curious what they're setting up there with Gaines. I think they're a lot of these shows deal with that. Um, the idea, you know, I mean, we just got through a big scene about the thin blue line and there's this, uh, idea of like the only people, the only cops who actually want to help the community are rookies. And then, you know, after a year on the job, you right. get used to like the scum you're around. And like, you know, Gaines is just coming, not Gaines. Rose is coming off losing his, losing his partner, like his right. best friend, to who got you know in his eyes to the community that he was just trying to protect when of, of course that's not the case but like that's fairly common in shows like this so i think it's just trying to be like an honest complicated depiction of what right being a cop is at least in this you know dramatized hollywood version of it Yes, this musical TV yeah. show. But, you know, like that idea, it's us against them. And, you know, the idea of casual corruption, which, you know, people knew about it back then. But, you know, now it's all over Twitter every day. So, like, this shit happens all the time. Right. Um. So, yeah, I, th- I, I think, I mean, I think it's just part of that sort of botchko pedigree of like showing cops as they quote unquote really are yeah um, of course. you know obviously it's still very a very hollywood version but it is like kind of showing the the not good stuff about cops like the bad yeah. shit the corruption and the the casual corruption and they like you said is terrorizing the community yeah there's a very dark interrogation in this yes. one where a woman is doing a lineup uh, and we'll, we'll talk about the lineup. Boy, will we? Uh, and um, the idea is she doesn't identify anybody and they're trying to press her to like name her boyfriend. Right. Well, so what it is is she's the housekeeper of this fucking fuck off rich right. goofball family that they're, they, it's a very, it's, it's almost exactly like the end of parasite. Uh, you know, minor spoilers if you haven't seen Parasite, but like their housekeeper got hit over the head uh, and their house was robbed while their housekeeper was injured. And they are infinitely more concerned with going through the house to see what was stolen. And they sort of treat their housekeeper. Who's got like this bleeding head wound and is on a stretcher. They're like, Oh, don't worry about the cost. We'll cover it. And then they just walk away from her and start like continuing to freak out about rugs that are missing from their house. Right. So, the fucking maniac cop LaRusso has theorized probably correctly because that's their version of making him like a complex character is like, well, he's actually a good detective. He's just a fucking, he's all, but not, not just a, he is also a maniac and a criminal, but he's also a good detective. So he has, he has deduced that the robbery, she was part of the robbery, probably not willingly, but was in on the robbery. So they have that failed lineup scene. And then there's an interrogation scene afterwards where he confronts her with that. Okay. Right. And he, he tells her your hair smells nice. What kind of shampoo do you use? He gets in close and sniffs her. Yeah. Uh, He threatens her with like domestic abuse. Basically. He says like, if if you don't tell us, we're going to tell your boyfriend and what is he going to do to you? And what's going to happen to you in jail? They threaten him with threaten her with just they threaten like, her with prison rape. They threaten her yeah. with when your boyfriend finds out he's going to beat up on you. We already know he beats up on you. Why don't you just tell? Like he's being a monster. In this it's scene. awful. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. And to the point where we can see again, this is like it's like a legit drama. Like you know, they cut like his partner is clearly like this is fucked up. 
Yeah, he's uh, uncomfortable. It's and that yeah, it's a really brutal scene. Yes, in Cop Rock. In it's fucking a Cop Rock. With a Randy it's... Newman theme song. <laughs> what is this uh, show? I don't know, man. There's also a and then the final it's the final story again is the in- internal affairs and he goes to the wife of Peter Boyle and like tells her cuz Peter Boyle is the forensics. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's like he's cool as a cucumber he's a stone wall like we know yeah he he's basic he's not really lying he's just uh, omitting certain things from his forensics report to sort of cover for Larusso. and right. it's not there's a whole question of the handcuffs because he was handcuffed and one of the, the cops that weren't there say we handcuffed him and then we left yeah and then he was killed and then the people are saying he was killed because he went for his gun. Yeah. And he's like, how could he do that? And the cop says, oh, I uncuffed him to move him. Yeah. And then there's something to do with the body with cuff marks. And that's where Peter Boyle comes in. Yeah. Uh, so he goes, the captain goes to his wife, who is the policewoman who her partner is like super horned up for her. Um, right. And he sort of kind of almost bullies her like he's like it really is laying it on things like look if your husband's yeah. lying about his report it's not he won't only lose his job and his pension he will face indictments he will probably go to jail and he will probably go to jail for a long time so if he's lying on his reports you better get him to tell me um yeah so she confronts him with that he admits it they have a tense scene she sings a very sad song about yep. her parents being in love and what that looks like and, and, and the fact that her marriage does not look like that. So, you know, we yep. can tell she's like despondent and disillusioned with her marriage. And of course she's got this possible romance building up, building up with her super horned up partner. It's a whole ass thing. It's a whole thing. It's layered. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. And Peter Boyle does the right thing. He goes, so he goes to the house of the chief, the captain, they're the captain, not chief Ronnie Cox. Not Chief. Do Ronnie not. Cox. I can't recommend going house. to Chief Ronnie Cox's house. No, I don't. You might know get blown lives. away. Yeah. By old West weaponry. Yeah. Like you he's open like the door, the, he just kills you with a Gatling gun. He's he's like the boss in Harvey Birdman. He's a character. Like, he's in, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was about he's to say just, he's a character he's, in Wild Wild West, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so he he goes to the captain's house, and the captain and his shitty kid and his wife. Uh, that's a whole thing, and yeah, um, they, they have live a whole in song. like a nice suburban house. Yeah, yeah, yeah they sing in t- into each other's faces. Yeah, like an inch away. You, and I was like, you, that's weird. Did you recognize the the captain? No, he's the wrestling promoter from Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Oh, that's now wild. he's gonna get away with my money. That's fucked up. That's the part where that's oh my yeah. Problem. There's a few. There's a, a, a one of the cops. There's several. Yeah, there's. I recognize several faces in this. Oh, yeah, like just Ronnie Cox. Yeah, Ernie Hudson transforms into Von D. Curtis Hall. And if you don't recognize his name right away, he played Ben Urick on the Netflix Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the main henchmen in Die Hard 2. He's a guy whose face you've seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so he goes to the house and he's like, I just remembered something. And he implicates the cops. He does the right thing. Yeah, he, uh, it's, he says, he, it's the bullet, it's the entry wounds or something. It's very clever. Yeah, he does it in a way that doesn't admit he was lying about the handcuffs because he goes to the captain and he's like, I, there's something about the report that bothers me. And the captain's like, what, the cuff marks? And he's like, no, the cuff marks, 
like they don't matter, man. Like they uh, sometimes yeah, they he's like, marks. no, I stand by. Yeah, yeah I sometimes stand by the cuff sometimes marks. they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, it just depends. Uh, no, what I'm talking about is the entry wound, which he says it's clear the guy was shot with in his with his arms at his side rather than extended. So like the right. line that Larusso and his partner gave about the guy reaching for his gun can't be true. Right, he buries them. He basically he does. Like, he fucking buries like, them. He's like, I'm not like in order to save my ass, I'm gonna maintain I th- I th- the handcuff thing, and I'm gonna give you something better. I think it's. I'm gonna give you something bigger. Yeah, it's more from what we know of of his character, what we gleaned from that song that he got. Uh, it's to save his marriage, not to save himself. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, so the only the only reason in he... a really good way. Yeah. Like he does it in a way that saves his ass. Yeah. Where he frames it like I just discovered something yep. new. He does, yeah. It's very, very crafty. He does it without admitting that he lied. Yeah, this is a good show. <laughs> it's a good show, Dave. <laughs> and that's how the episode ends, basically, with this guy. Uh, and I, I now I want to know what's gonna happen. I can't wait to watch more, Dave. I need yeah. to know what happens. <laughs> Because he ends it, it doesn't just end it by saying, hey, I, I found this thing. Like once he once he tells the captain about the the gunshot wounds and how they don't corroborate the LaRusso story, he's like, hey, look, um, I see you're here eating dinner with your wife and your kid. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's that's fine. You weren't interrupting. And then he, and Peter Boyle's like, I wasn't apologizing. Like we're we're cops, right? We're on the job. We don't right. we leave our families out of whatever happens. You came to my wife and threatened her uh, to get to me. And he's like, well, she's a cop too, and she works for me. He's like, no, 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 no. You threatened her to get to me. Yeah. Don't ever do that shit again, is basically yeah. what he says. He's he's coming up as the hero. Like, he's like... He's my favorite character. <laughs> he's the best. He's the most complex. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he's just like, don't ever do that again. And then the fucking show ends. The fucking Randy show Newman's ends. There. Randy Newman cop comes rock. in like... Cops are gonna lie for each other. Sometimes when you a cop, you shoot somebody in the <laughs> chest. Oh, Ooh, I love LA. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so not counting the theme song, these two episodes, because people might be confused and feel like, oh, they're just describing a good show. There are a total of 10 songs during My these two episodes. God. And now it's time to go through them. And we. We're gonna figure out what's the best this, song this, of these two. You see, you're 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 probably looking down at your little your little devices and seeing that we're in the hour mark and like, oh, they gotta be wrapping up. No, 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 no. We have ten cop rock songs to discuss. Yes, we do. So the fir- fuck. Uh, the first one is "We Got the Power," which yeah, we talked that's about. That's the rap song. All, that's the rap song. It's very bad. It's pr- it's easily the worst song I think. In yeah, terms in terms the- of composition and just it it comes off. Like I said, it comes off like my name is Andre and I'm here to say like it comes off a very yes. as a very hastily written song that's not very well executed. So you're like, oh geez. Yeah. And it's the first song you hear. So you're like, yep. this doesn't bode well at all. The second one is the Peter Boyle ballad. And now there's two titles, and I'm not sure the only thing is when I looked up the soundtrack listing, it's out of order. It's either called She Since She Chose Me or You're the One for Me. I think it's Since She Since Chose She Chose Me, because that's what he keeps singing. Yeah, like that's okay. like the that's like the chorus almost. It's like right. he, I have no idea why she chose me. Right, and that's the very sad one. Yeah, uh, good song. Your, good song. Yeah. You're the one for me. Is the one about building a jail. 
the mayor has a line that I wrote down that was just, I was born in Delaware behind the Dover railway station. Yep. Is a lyric in that. Yep. <laughs> it was like, that's yep. weird. And then line. one, and then she says, uh, I grew up or something like I came, I came to, I came to LA as a, as a young lady looking to make my career. And then one of her aides who serves as like the chorus in the song says right. something about like, she was like a, like a shapely young woman and he makes an hourglass figure with his hands. Yeah. That's it's out of fucking out of the, that. The mayor's song, I think is the most unhinged. Absolutely. There's little weird things like the bribe money is lit. Yeah. Like green. It's lit like fucking, uh, Marcellus Wallace's soul briefcase. Right. It, it's like, it's like the lighting of like a bat, uh, like Batman and Robin. Yeah. It's like a Schumacher. A Batman neon light. green light opens up and it's yeah. just a song about them singing about how everybody gets to wet their beak on this kickback. It's a wow. Incredible song. song. And again, she can barely move. I, I'm not sure if yeah. it's if it's the costume or the makeup, or she's just uncomfortable with the choreography, or if the choreography was bad, or if it's all of the above. But her attempts at dancing in this song are extremely funny. It's not good. Yeah. Uh, next song is "He's Guilty." It's when the jury reeks a verdict. There's a courtroom scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done as a gospel song. Yes. Where the jury, yeah, it's it's what it sounds like. Uh, and the final one is Sandman. It's the one she sings one to the, her the baby. Mom sings to her baby before she sells it. Yep. So that's episode one. Episode two has "I haven't told you how much I love you," which is that's like sexy sack ba- sax ballads. A very man sad. walks into the church with <laughs> sunglasses, five o'clock shadow, a fucking party in the back mullet and a gleaming golden saxophone and starts wailing on that son of a bitch and Rose gets up there to the podium and belts out this fucking eulogy for his fallen brother and my god Dave yeah listen I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right now Tom if I die Uh uh that's you have to do that yeah obviously yeah the entire you need to rent a saxophone man well likewise that, that has to happen specifically yeah. it has to be the sax guy from the lost boys of course of course yeah that is that is a um, a surreal moment because it's like you said it's a sad song but it's an absurd scene it's a sad song it's a sad scene up to that point yeah. it's like it's doing again where it's bringing together all the all the characters of this wide of this wide cast and they're, they're kind of paired off or, or they're, or they're grouped in threes and we get like a couple of different beats of different storylines going on in the church. So there's like drama picking up in the background of this extremely emotional scene where they're delivering this eulogy about this dead cop. And then all of a sudden fucking Saxman Jones walks in. <laughs> this asshole running in with his sax. Oh my God! Speaking of tragedy, he looks like he looks like undercover Michael McDonald. Yes, yes, like it Michael is... McDonald got into a box of 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 just for men <laughs> and colored all of his hair, his his it various his various hair configurations. Oh, um, the next the next one is this is what the good life looks like, which was equally tragic because it's two cops like. It's very elaborate. A lot of costumes. A lot of costume changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's two cops talking about how they want to be rich and how like this is the good life. And I just want to point out, it's not a very good house that they're in. 
Like it, it feels like a middle class condo. Like it, it, at least the seat, the room that they're doing it in, they're like, oh my god, look at all this stuff, and it's mainly just like nice blankets <laughs> and a TV. And it felt like the cops were like, man, you guys really need a raise. What uh, it, is, what it is, is a very crowded bedroom. Like, yes. but uh, it's that if you that house is I've seen in like ten different TV shows. Like right. the, the exterior of the house, anyway. Like it was on an epi- It's on an early episode of Lucifer. Uh, it's a house yeah. you see a lot. My argument is more this: I don't think they filmed the house right. Like they didn't do this. This was a badly choreographed number. They like they, they needed all to are. put them in more. Yes, that's true. All the choreography in the show as a whole is not. Good. Oh, but Tom, you forget the next song. We're the local color, which is the lineup that's, dance rap. That is the. That yeah, that's the that's the number that that has the most fire choreography. <laughs> like they actually yeah. try some shit in that one. It's also the number that loses its mind the most. This it's so it's a police lineup. Yeah, and like it's the it's the the housekeeper identifying from a group of I believe Latino men. Yeah, uh, and um, then the music starts up, and it's like oh no! Mm-hmm. Like I had that moment of like oh fuck, the lineup's gonna sing. And the song is about how racial always profiling. The, yeah, it's about racial profiling. Yeah, the, the, it's I about think it's how called, they're always the, the ones who are dragged in here. Yeah, like, it's the 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 line they keep repeating is "We're the local color." Yeah, that's the name of the song. Yeah, it's grim. It's a rap kind of like. See, the thing is, they're they're doing like latino stereotypes at the same time yes like they're they're doing i'm and i'm not entirely sure they're all actually latino men i think some of them might be white guys who have been boy boy let's hope not yeah it's just it's this scene this is what i was thinking about the most where it's like they're doing a song about racial profiling yes they are aware of racism but in itself this also feels dated like it's hard to tell if the guys in the lineup, up the stereotypes. Exactly. That was yeah. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. It's hard to tell if they're or, leaning into the stereotypes because they're commenting on the fact that you always pick us up and throw us into these lineups, or if it's just a song written, a song written and choreographed by white people in 1990. Right. While an assault victim watches on as they all sing. Yeah. It, it's it's one of those where it's like I'm not. It, it broke my brain. It, it's it, it it's a lot. And then um, it was it was one of the biggest moments where my brain was at war with itself, where it was like, am I doing too much of the show's work for it by assuming that there are that these I don't know. It's 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 a fucking challenging moment of the show. Challenging. We're like, is is this all intentional? Yeah, because some of it is, but some of it I don't. I'm not sure about. It's so hard to tell what they're trying to do. The next song is "If There Isn't Love." That's the one, the '80s ballad about. That's where she's. Her. That's where she's singing about her parents' relationship and how it. Yeah, she's like becoming yeah. disillusioned with Peter Boyle after learning that he lied on his forensic report. Right, he's covering the up final, for a shitty cop. Yep, the final one is "It's Gonna Be All Right," which is just like a song about how they're financially okay. Well, he's um, he's also singing about like he starts off singing about how like you know he lost a cop that week. It's there's danger every day. Yeah, the day. first it's, line is, it's been a hard day, going to be a hard night. Yep. 
That should made me laugh. Yeah, he's he's already he's drinking as he sings the song. Yeah, he also has an uncharacteristically deep voice when he starts singing. Not it's really. Like, it like it, it's if you noticed, it was not to me anyway because I noticed oh, okay. his voice leading up to the song. He hadn't. This is the captain's first song. He's got this like raspy, like almost Springsteen speaking voice. So you're like, See, oh, you know he's gonna, that. you know he's gonna belt it out like fucking Huey Lewis, like when he gets a right. song, and he does. He does. <laughs> like, it's it threw me off. It was yeah. like, a, oh shit. It was unexpected moment. for like the yeah. captain to be singing like Huey Lewis was a little like. It was a lot. Yeah. He sings again directly into his wife's face. Yeah, but um, anyway, it, I, the, I interrupted you to say the the main thrust of the song that i took away was he's just singing about like being married to you makes it worth it like i get right. to, i get about, to come home to my family and it's worth it yeah it's about how he does it all for his like suburban family yeah. that is far away from the city yes. that he polices which is <laughs> <laughs> the norm yeah uh, yeah and then uh, yeah and that those are the songs what would you say is your favorite song. I, it's hard to say the best song. Here's what I... Because there's a lot of effort into a lot of these, a but... a lot of effort in all of them except for, like, the that first rap song. It just felt... Yeah. Um, which is so weird because it's the first song we hear in the... It's the first song in the pilot episode of this cop drama musical. So, you're, so you would think you put your money beats up front right like yeah you, right you put the right. good song like we should hear the best song first right um i think the three best songs are peter boyle's song uh the song yeah, since she chose me yeah that one i really felt that one as a yeah. ghoul who's dating a very uh, attractive lady like i felt that one i was like yeah i i hear you peter boyle yeah that's say that spoke to me yeah yeah i understand yeah, as a as a, I also, a real piece of shit myself yeah <laughs> i i also appreciate how it's almost like a, it's it's like a single shot or like two or three shots yeah they do that and it's uh, just uh, him uh, yeah go ahead sorry yeah it's just him at a desk mm-hmm. and he's just singing into the night i just that really yeah that was effective uh, the next one I was going to call out is his wife's song in the next episode. And they, they yep. film it in a almost identical way where she's sitting at the edge of the bed and it's almost just one take. It's the, I think yeah. they do two or three cuts, but it's the same idea where it's just her sitting there in the room. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's also one that I felt. Yes. Um, and I, th- I had a third one flagged, but now I can't remember which one I was thinking of. I guess Rose's eulogy. I was about to say, that that does seem like the the those three are the clear winners and i think it's because they're all very emotional yeah like sandman is emotional but the song itself isn't complex the scene is emotional you know what i mean yeah, where the, she gives away the baby the song itself but, isn't that good uh yeah but but those the scene three is good yeah our characters singing their hearts out mm-hmm. like really powerful emotional scenes i would also actually say where the local color intrigued me for all the problems and the confusion yeah like that was a i thought that was a good idea of having the lineup because i didn't think the movie would or the show would give right. enough because it's had like, enough credit to say by the way these guys in the lineup they have a shitty deal don't they mm-hmm. they're being racially profiled aren't they 
and they're going to sing about it and they're mad about it. And I really appreciated that, and that they thought about that. Yeah. And there's an, it's the only one that's like elaborately choreographed that we've seen yeah. so far. So again, tying back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the episode where like, it seems like the message of this is, is commenting on how we turn these stories in entertainment. Um, this very real problem uh, uh, into entertainment. So I, I was wondering if the intent of that scene was to have them break out into elaborate dance choreograph is the, it's if it's the idea that these guys are like, this is we're, we're playing, we're performing, we're playing a role. Right. We're playing the role you want us to play for you. Cause you keep bringing us in here. So we might as well do like cool ass flares and, and uh, say Vato. Uh, and and do like kick flips and shit. That makes sense. And that, that but kind of or am I doing too much work for the show? <laughs> like I, I cannot tell. Okay, well here's the thing: we have to name one song. Man, one song. I have the one I'm I'm thinking of. What are you thinking of? I haven't told you yet how much I love you. I think cop funeral sax song is the right amount of extremely surreal and it's probably just uh it's a it's a very well done song and it's also very emotional i, um, I would the, i would say if there isn't love felt a little too like 80s ballad for me mm-hmm. uh what were you gonna say i was gonna say i'd probably agree with you i think i think she chose me is the best song but i think rose's eulogy song is the one that's like the best example of what cop rock is. Yeah. And I guess here's the question though. Are we telling people this is just a song you should listen to? Or is it about that? Is it about everything? It's about everything it about- around it. I don't think you could like sit there and like fucking rock out to these songs. Like they're, it's like, right. Uh, they're, hmm. Because, I mean, people do just buy musical soundtracks. I mean, that's how most people experienced Hamilton because fucking the tickets were beyond expensive. Um, So, like, the songs aren't good like that, but they're just, they're good, like, as, you know, within the narrative and, you know, for all those reasons. So I don't think you could really just, like, fucking rock out to the cop rock soundtrack. So I'm saying, like, I think Rose is the best. If you can, bless your heart. Right. Bless your heart if you can. It's the best in terms of being representative of, like, what cop rock is and the experience of watching cop rock. Yeah. And I think I'm happy settling on that. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you just want to watch a YouTube clip of that song, uh, as it is performed in the show, it, that's a perfect representation of the experience of watching cop rock. Absolutely. So, and now the final question, and we talked about at the top of this, does this show know that cops suck and I want to extend that to, I feel like we've already kind of talked about it all. Yeah. Uh, which is just, are they aware? Yeah, I think they are. And That's I think like they the are. the premise I, of the show. Yeah. And I think, wh- I, I don't want to like come down on the answer because I just want that to be, I think what it is, is that this is going to be a question on our minds throughout. Yeah. Um, it and is it's the question. How aware and what is the purpose? What were they trying to do? And did they accomplish it? Yeah. And that question is, I mean, it's always been on people's minds. I think that question is on more people's minds in the last six, seven, eight years. Um, right. So I think we're kind of watching all 
cop shows and movies with this lens, particularly after, you know, after Ferguson and what was it, 2014 and then uh, George Floyd and then uh, 2020, st- the, the, the 2020 stuff in Portland. Um, right. I, I, th- I think it's just more people are watching all of this stuff under that lens. So it's like impossible not to have that question on your mind, I think. For most yeah, I mean, now. I would argue for this, it's more aware than a lot of things. For sure. Uh, it's more aware than is... the first two Bad Boys movies, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's, it's like oddly progressive uh, in its message while, about police while still being, you know, Still being a, a, a show from 1990, yeah. 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 Yeah, and I mean that was kind of that was like Botchko's kind of bread and butter, uh, you know. So it's not that. Yeah, it's not surprising. It's not surprising that he would make a show in 1990 that would be really incisive about cops and 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 <laughs> right. citywide corruption. It the fact that Cop Rock, the cop musical, was one of those shows is what's surprising. Yeah, what is surprising is that it's called Cop Rock, right? And it is a musical. <laughs> and it's a fucking musical. Like this is a big swing. Right, and I don't think it'll ever. I'll ever get used to it as we keep watching. It's. I don't uh, think the the when, episodes will get easier when it's throwing us curveballs like Ronnie Cox. It's hard. <laughs> it's right. just when you like, think you've else? got it nailed down, it does some fucking wild shit yeah. like that. What else is it gonna do? I'd love to know, and we will know soon enough. My God, Tom. Yeah. Yeah, we got, so, man, the next ones are called Happy Mother's Day and a three-corpse meal. Uh, So, uh, that's something to keep in mind, is that I'm pretty sure every episode is titled a a pun. Yep, I'm looking through them all. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, I gotta gotta correct something real quick. I've been crediting Botchko with uh, uh, St. Elsewhere, and he was not involved with St. Elsewhere. It doesn't look oh, like okay. uh, he, he got started on Hill Street Blues and St. Elsewhere I've, was like kind of inspired or at least in my mind, like occupied a similar because Hill Street, uh, St. Elsewhere is about a hospital. Um, oh, okay. But he, yeah, he, he, he Boschko was not involved in St. Elsewhere. So. He did murder one with the, uh, I think that has the guy who looks like a baby in it. Yeah. Uh, NYPD blue. He said, yep. Uh, um, do- oh, apparently he did Doogie Howser, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Murder in the First, mm-hmm. City of Angels. Yeah, Hill, uh, Hill Street this. Hill Street Blues was where he got started. Got it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just wanted to correct that. He yeah, par- yeah. apparently was not involved in St. Elsewhere. That was only in my mind. So mm-hmm, if you were mm-hmm. if you were the person screaming that at me this entire episode, I am now acknowledging you. <laughs> you heard it. Yeah, you heard it. Um, my God. Uh is that I think this is an episode, Tom. I think this is this is I'm wiped out. Like I am emotionally drained from thinking about this and watching this. Like I've i man. Dave, I can't wait to watch more of this. Yeah, I can't wait to see how it'll fucking how it'll end. And if it ends on a cliffhanger, we're gonna have to petition for another season. Or at least like uh like a like a movie. You and you know? I will they have to do make a movie. One. Yeah, we will. We'll have to send in a script. 
so, uh, but for now, I think we've covered Cop Rock episodes one and two. Uh, more than people might have even expected. And I do, I think I agree with you, Tom, that this is a good show. Yeah. It's hard to say that because it's also not. A it's good also show. very much not. Uh, but it is a show that, I don't know, man. I, I want I to, I want to find out more about the drama between these characters. And that's me too. Like, me too. I am engaged with the show's story. Yeah. Like it got me. So, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, I legitimately, there were stretches of like 10 to 15 minutes where I was watching the show that I forgot I was watching cop rock. So I wasn't waiting right. for a song to come on and then the song would happen and my brains would explode out the back of my head. And then Randy Newman would show up. And then Randy up. Newman comes on during the end credits. Fuck. That was cop rock. <laughs> my Randy Newman uh, impression is getting more and more just fucking wild as this episode goes on. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what oh, voice fuck. I just did. It wasn't Randy Newman. It was Newman-esque. It was Newman, Newman adjacent. I'll try one. Uh, uh, Randy Newman. That's my Randy Newman. That's as good as it's I can close. get. close. Yeah, so. it's close. He's, he's, he, he's basically louder Bob Dylan. Yes. He's, he's definitely, there's, there's a few of them. There's, all right. So Bob Dylan, there's Bob Dylan is the, like the hippie Bob version. Randy Newman, Randy Newman is like the jazzy piano version. Yeah. And then I would argue the lead singer of Rancid is the punk version. Kind of. Or one of the singers, um, uh, Armstrong. Um, Tim Armstrong. Is, yeah. Tring Armstrong. Yeah. He's like the Randy Newman of punk. Black white shoes, black hat, Cadillac, yeah. boys of yeah, time so bomb. Yeah, I can see that. They're all, yeah, they all—they're all like from the same planet. Yeah, they that all, was they all, like from the same planet. They all came yeah, here on the yeah, same yeah. spacecraft. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, fuck. let me um, go this way. Okay, you should probably go that way. Okay, I'm gonna go this way. And that's how it went, Dave. That's how they right, went their separate is, ways. The, the, that is exactly what happened. <laughs> um. Okay. Matt Smith, thank you so much for doing this to us. Fucking bizarre journey we just went on, thanks to Matt Smith. Thank you, Matt Smith. Yes. Um, and yeah, again, thanks for Morbius. And uh, shit, everybody, I hope you enjoyed this. If you're interested, we have a Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. That's how this was made. That's how this was mm-hmm. uh, produced. We have a tier where you can produce your very own podcast about whatever you want. We have a bunch of tiers, and in fact, for five dollars a month, just five of your dollars, five you get measly dollars. Yeah, it's shit. It's shit money. It's worthless. And you, you get access to so many podcasts. You get access to Fox Mulder's a Maniac, uh, 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 Tom and Jeff watch Batman, Spiel Boys, Star Trek: The Next Futurama. If, if you if you want to pay a little more, we watch movies every Friday night with our patrons. Maybe in a year or so, maybe we'll go through all of Cop Rock on there. Uh, there's no telling. I want other people to experience Cop Rock. I need other people to experience yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. I really. It's. I, I saw. Mean, it's like the. It's like the video from the ring. Yeah, you got to spread it around. It really yeah. is. Like I watching this. I. Th- I like. There was a moment, the Ronnie Cox moment, the moment where he mm-hmm. walks back up to like the first time. It was weird enough. I was like, all right, I guess maybe he's just eccentric. But the second time when he walks back in after that fucking insane misogynistic rant in the elevator to then 
shoot the mayor's cardboard effigy in half with a shotgun. Um, where I was like expecting Ashton Kutcher to climb out of the TV like the girl from the ring. Right. To yeah. tell me I had been punked. Right. It is yeah. No, no, fully expect that. It's weird because the cowboy one, it's like, oh, this is a fun one. And then later it's like an insidious one. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're both insidious because he's firing guns in his office, but right. yeah. Right, like the the, uh, the 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 second the second scene is like where you hope that that eccentricity doesn't lead. Right. It's like when you see the first one, you're like, oh, well, he's just kind of like an eccentric old man. Boy, I hope it doesn't go down a dark path. And then you see the second scene and you're like, oh, it's gone down a dark path. <laughs> it got really dark. I will, okay. I will say this. Uh, Marina was watching this with me while she was uh, putting makeup on and getting ready for a, a thing she was doing um, and has now made me promise that I won't watch any more of it without her. Wow. That's the power of cop rock. That's the power the of The strange, cop rock. seductive magic of cop rock. <laughs> oh, man. What the fuck? I don't know, man. Couldn't I don't tell know you. either. Couldn't tell you. I w- <sighs> did, we did our best. <laughs> we, we, did, we will continue yeah, we to do our, our best. best to try to explain what this show is. Yeah. We might not make it, but like we might die doing this. But hopefully Oh, we probably. Won't. Yeah. Ronnie Cox is gonna find us. Mm-hmm. He's gonna he's gonna take us out like a like a dummy cowboy, and then buy a new one. Yep, that's what he does. Uh, that's his mo. That's what he does. He has so many. Put a saddle on me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye. 